2: Now that's the stuff. House <reverb noise> Oh, yeah. And now, your host of Wrestling Geeks Alliance, uh-huh, Dane Owls. Oh, yeah. Thank you very much, Zombie Macho Man. I appreciate that. And every time you come in here, it freaks me the fuck out, but I'm so happy you're with me. Anyways, how's everyone doing out there in GeekFives Nation? This is your host of Wrestling Geeks Alliance, Dane Alves, for another enticing, amazing episode where we break down wrestling from the last week. New members, if, if, if you're just listening, you know, we do this every Wednesday, 7 p.m. EST. Just, uh, you know, come hang out with me and, of course, my co-host, Christopher Brother Ray Patton. How are you doing, sir?
3: I am doing lovely. I have a beer I'm about to crack open and dive into these, uh, these wrestling topics. Um, I'm, I just one question for you, Dane. Yes. What's our wild card rule? Do we have a wild card rule? And if not, should we develop a wild card rule for this show?
2: I think we should develop a wild card rule. I think that I should get Nick to host this since he doesn't like wrestling at all, and I'll do his basketball show, and we'll trade it off for the fuck of it since neither one of us have any uh, want or desire to be on those shows just to change things up, to give you people out there something that you need and you know what i know that chris just came up with this but i actually just thought of it and it's going to be great it's going to be brilliant we're going to do it whatever
3: it's going to be awesome ah!
2: oh sorry anyway uh, i wonder how many times we just peaked, or i wonder how many times i just made the mics peak. Uh, i'm going to listen oh, back no. to this and just be angry <laughs> no that's good uh so i guess we should start talking about these news items um well, you drink your beer I'm going to drink my energy drink as if I need it, but uh the first thing uh we didn't have a show last week. apologize uh, some stuff came up actually, I just basically told Chris <laughs> there really wasn't any news, and uh you know the thing that we were going to do didn't it didn't happen to work out, so we we're like, we'll just take an off week because you know what we can do that it's not our damn job you know we we enjoy doing this, but you know if if we decide to do whatever if i tell him, hey, you want... It. Basically, Chris has nothing to do with This is my decision, so I'm the asshole. You can yell at me. Remember, my Twitter is <laughs> Alves at Twitter. Uh, it's a burner account, though, so have fun with that. Either way, we're back this week. We're going to have a great episode. We've got lots to talk about. And uh, this is the thing that actually broke right when I decided that we weren't going to do an episode. We had a little video that came out. Um, I think that was... I want to say Wednesday morning, actually. And... I don't think that me or Chris saw this coming a mile away. I think actually most speculators or, or people, uh, you know, in the know like a Dave Metzler, suspected that Dean Ambrose, aka uh, John Moxley, you know, aka John Good, I believe is his real name, um, was going to take a break from wrestling. Probably show up in some type of independent. You know, status, maybe do a couple things here and there, but probably chill out from wrestling. Go back, live in Las Vegas, made a ton of money. He turned down a ridiculous amount of money. So, you know, his wife's doing her thing, uh, progressing in her in her job, and he was just going to lay low for a little while. Especially the way that, you know, uh, Dean went out. You know, they, they treated him pretty much like gold. They gave him, like, his own special, let him say goodbye to pretty much every town the last two weeks that they were touring. So Wednesday comes around and this video shows up and it's got Dean Ambrose in it, or or, or so we think. Uh, Dean Ambrose is now changed back to John Moxley, uh, his old persona, in, in notorious in CZW. Um, and the video features him breaking out of prison. And let, let me just say, there's a lot of symbolism that you could either see in it or, or I guess, make up in your head. Maybe it's intentional. Not 100% sure. Either way, I'm just going to talk and say certain things that might be there. Uh, The fact that he was running away from two dogs, you know, Hounds of Justice. Maybe it's the big dog. Don't know. Um, And the fact that he went back by the Viper Room, um, I don't know if that has anything to do with Randy Orton. I don't know if this is subtle stuff. The main thing of him breaking out of prison, we we could probably say the prison would be wWE is what I'm assuming. and the video uh, he goes past uh, or on his wall actually is a uh, is two sets of five, which is twenty five Later on, we see dice on the wall, you know very much the las vegas Vegas s dice, whatever, that have a two and a five that the twenty fifth of this month may twenty fifth is double or nothing. I'm not saying this is going to happen. I'm just giving you the little amounts of details that are in this video. The, the video was very well made, which caused speculation. Apparently, a multimillionaire would not be able to afford a production company or, say, another avenue, whether it be an AEW, an Impact, or whatever, to be able to produce that good of footage. And I, I say nay. I, I say for people that think that this is just an elaborate way for. Mox, I guess, would be his new uh, persona to come back into WWE, uh, repackaged. I, I just don't, I don't buy it. I think that this is either him leaving, and doing his own thing. Apparently, he got some dates this summer, uh, some independent dates, I believe, and um, I think there is a good chance he might uh, show up at Double or Nothing. I don't know if that will be like a full time thing right now. It seems like he's trying to call his own shots, but he's friends with Chris Jericho. He knows Cody. He knows that whole entire thing, and he's a big get for them. He's not one of the smaller people that I think Chris Jericho is referring to that they're not going for. It's someone that could actually help them and and, and build it. So, Chris, were you, like me, taken back a bit when you saw that, you know, I'm assuming it was Tuesday night is when he released this, maybe Wednesday morning. But how we see that Dean's not taking a break, He's going back into wrestling, and for the level of production, I mean, yes, he could have done it himself, but who's to say by some of the stuff within the video if he might have any involvement with AEW? What do you what say you?
3: Yeah, I mean, all signs kind of point to AEW. There's a battle royal, right? Not everyone's been announced. Maybe that's where they're going with that. I, I didn't break down the video uh, frame by frame like you did, so thanks for that. That actually uh, explained a lot to me at least. Um, but yeah, like there, there is a lot of symbolism in general. Just the dogs and breaking out of the prison—that stuff I did notice. I did not notice the the five by five to twenty-five and the uh, dice on the wall. That's a uh, that's a trained eye from all the Game of Thrones you've been watching recently, I guess. But um, yeah, I, I, I you know, when you really think about it, they it makes call sense me Lord Danis. <laughs> it really does um, make sense and is kind of fitting. And he doesn't want to be in. WWE. Um, and even if he doesn't go to AEW, just the tease alone was kind of worth it. Uh, I will say that that thing had like over 2 million views last week, which was a uh, higher rating than SmackDown. So there's that. So in general, um, the one thing I will say is I don't like the name Mox Cause I fucking immediately think of varsity blues when I hear the name Mox by itself. So, Uh, Outside of that, man, it's exciting. I I would love to see him in AEW. It's a huge gift for them. They need a big superstar. You know, it's how WCW got off the ground, uh, bringing over, you know, Hogan and Macho Man and then Lex Luger on the first live show. Getting these guys, these kind of guys, like maybe a Dolph Ziggler and a Dean Ambrose, uh, even if they're not your favorites, it does go a long way because of the name value and, and they're out there in the public eye. And I think people, especially with Dean Ambrose, Want to see what he can do if you if you let him have control of his character, especially you know as fans have gone back and watched his earlier work in CZW and a lot of the ways that he cut promos and stuff. Um, like him be like being part of these, being the elite, would be really really fucking entertaining. There's lots of real cool stuff they can do with him. Kind of makes the most sense. Um, and one one they've kind of shown they're not afraid to. Uh,
2: One thing that you might agree with me is that with AEW, it's great for two different reasons, kind of like uh, Pentagon, because Pentagon can be a part of a very strong tag division, but he's also a very well-known singles competitor that can go for the heavyweight title. Jon Moxley can have matches with Jimmy Havoc or say maybe they get a Sammy Callahan down the road or Pentagon, uh, you know, other hardcore guys but he's also established himself and he's known more in the public where he also can have feuds with the big names like Jericho like he has before and Kenny and so on.
3: Yeah, I, I agree 100%. I think I think it's a huge get for them if if he's actually going there. I mean, it's not been confirmed, but you know, all signs are kind of pointing that way and and they need more. Honestly, like Luke Harper, Sasha Banks if, if they can somehow get out of their contract that would be fucking a big all big gets for aw because they're already established names when i say established names i mean if you think about it in the big picture dean ambrose is a bigger name than kenny omega to the mainstream audience maybe not necessarily to the wrestling community or diehard fans like me and you who do a fucking podcast each week but a- as far as like a name and a get He's probably the biggest person they have besides Jericho if they're able to nail that down. So, yeah, it would be a huge fucking deal. Either way, I'm excited because he obviously didn't like his character, what he's been doing in WWE since his injury. Um, he did everything they asked him to do on the way out. They didn't hold up his contract with uh, cashing injury time to it or anything. Sounds like he maybe left on good terms. So, it, you know, it could be a thing where he just goes and works independence, but it really does feel like uh, – kind of the perfect fit for AEW as far as like a big name that they can get and a guy that could probably do, you know, do a lot work, him working with Chris Jericho, I think would be a lot of fun, especially with Jericho doing more of a, a brawling style, like you said.
2: Yeah, I, I, I do think it's the big names uh, definitely help out. And I think that Tony Khan knows that I think Chris Jericho obviously knows that I think all four of the guys know that it, the, the names that you get that are part of this definitely help. Uh, you know, the fact that Neville, even though he's going by Puck, might not be as known is still a good get. Um, but, yeah, Dean Ambrose. And then you have Chris Jericho. Man, that's, that's pretty, you know, it's not Hulk Hogan level per se, but that's like definitely Macho Man Randy Savage, Lex Luger, like you said, Roddy Roddy Piper when all of them left. Um, I guess the only one that's like Hogan level, I mean, besides people that are not going to be leaving WWE, really, you know, like a John Cena, if you will, uh, is if they get Punk. But we're not going to keep on, you know, pressing for that, that, you know, even if Punk's not on the level that Hogan was to his era, Punk's probably the biggest name that AEW could acquire is what I'm trying to say. But, uh, yeah, um, I'm very excited. I'm I'm excited. Even if he doesn't show up at Double of Nothing, I will be checking out to see where he goes doesn't matter if he goes to fucking CZW, Pro Wrestling Noah, uh, House of Hardcore, Impact. If he decides to do a little tour, you know, a lot of those places, including probably uh, AEW, would let him do a couple things. And then when he settles, he settles, and that's whatever, you know. Dean Ambrose is kind of like Gambit from the X-Men. He's just going to fucking chill, be cool, do his thing, and, or, 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 you know, because I love Luke Perry, like Dylan. Right? You know, he's doing his thing, James Deaning it. But uh, any last words before we move on to the next subject, Chris?
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I think it would be very good for them, you know, because they're going to have this one pay-per-view. And then there's another one over the summer. Um, there's no reason Injectable. why John can't, can't can't make the rounds. And, you know, Tournament of Death is coming up in Combat Zone Wrestling. Would it be completely crazy to see uh, Moxley show up at Tournament of Death and do some crazy shit? Rebuild his character? I mean, not out of the question, I don't think. I don't think, obviously, he won't be like a Death Tournament of Death somewhere.
2: 8.
3: Yeah, like I, I think there's some shit that he could obviously do. and I mean, MLW's out there, there's lots of places I'm sure that would bring him in just for a one-shot. So uh, and, and that's how AEW's kind of kept their name in the news, by popping up on these indie shows and doing um, Absolutely. stuff. But with him, and not having like a huge contract, if he just does the one date with him, he's still open to do whatever he wants, and he can sign with AEW, you know, as needed. But if I'm him, I'm you know, I'm trying to hit as many places as I can to get my name back out there, I and you know, just stay relevant. Just because there is going to be a cool off time um, with AEW between these pay per views, and you know, they they don't have a set TV yet, other than uh, they did announce the ITV stuff today with England. So that AEW sounds like it's going to be. Or at least their pay-per-views are going to be broadcasted on ITV, which is uh, a good thing for them. They're going across the seas, man, international. Down in Britain.
2: Sorry, I'm just say <laughs> That isn't as bad as my terrible British uh, impression accent. Um, <laughs> yeah, but either way. Let's move away from Dean Ambrose for now, and I'm sure we're going to be finding lots of information uh, coming soon these next couple weeks. But let's move on to the next piece of information, and that is uh, the the matches named for New Japan Wrestling Dominion. Um, we'll just I'll, I'll go over uh, all of them, and then me and you can break it down, Chris. Uh, first one for the never open weight uh, title: tai Chi versus Ishii. Uh, Kota Ibushi and Tetsuya Naito are going to have their little rematch for the Intercontinental title. Uh, Tanahashi is going against Jay White. Uh, And I think the biggest one, pretty crazy that I think it's three weeks after Chris Jericho faces Kenny Omega uh, at Double or Nothing over in Las Vegas. Uh, He goes probably against the other biggest name, non-WWE in professional wrestling, Kazuchika Okada for the IWGP heavyweight title uh, that night. And we knew that it was reported, uh, I think Kenny also is obligated for a couple, that Jericho had a couple more dates that he was able to do still for New Japan that he was going to finish up. So obviously this is that. Uh, Chris Jericho, fucking goat, probably going to lose both matches back-to-back, but either way, maybe he won't with uh, Kenny, maybe they'll set up a rubber match because I believe Kenny won the first one um but pretty awesome uh looking forward to all these matches uh i hope ishi gets the belt uh just because i like him a lot and i don't know too much about taichi so maybe that's a little bit uh you know biased but i don't give a shit um oh, man kodobushi or tetsuya naito yeah i want K- Koda to I want naito to transition into the the uh, heavyweight game i want i want to see him and okada go at it so i'm going to say kodobushi wins And then I could see them putting Jay White over uh, Tanahashi. And obviously, I think Kazuchika Okada is going to beat Chris Jericho and retain his IWGP heavyweight title. But wouldn't that be crazy if the opposite happened? Chris, what do you think about this?
3: Yeah, it would be absolutely insane if Jericho won the title, but uh, I don't see that happening at all. Okada is going to be rocking this belt until at least probably Wrestle Kingdom, I would would think, just... (laughs) To me, they got to rebuild the top of their card. Um, I would say maybe Kota Ibushi drops the title to Naito simply because I feel like he could win G1, and that sets up your Okada-Kota Ibushi match. They've always wanted to push Ibushi, but he was never under contract with New Japan. Now he's under contract. He's going to kind of be there. makes sense to have the big marquee match between Ibushi and Okada. With Tanahashi, I feel like he might get the win on Jay White coming back because he is coming back from an injury and then they'll set up some stuff with him in the tournament to kind of keep that going, but that that's kind of my guess. Uh, Taichi, I uh, he just had a pretty damn good match with Jeff Cobb defending this title on the uh, NWA show, which we didn't really get a chance to talk about, but uh, I Ishii is like, Ishii's been fucking great recently and I don't know that him winning this title necessarily does anything for him, um, so maybe they just keep it on Tai Chi because I feel like ECE will be doing other shit. You know, if you get what I'm saying. Like I feel like there's other places they can put him where it makes a little bit more sense. And it seems like whoever they stick with this title kind of ends up in an opening match type slot, and uh, he deserves a little bit more. Has
2: she ever won the
3: Intercontinental title? I am not a hundred percent without a. Doing a quick search here, but uh, I'd like to do that.
2: Get something more so than the never open weight.
3: You know, he's always
2: fighting for one of the bigger titles, or at least the heavyweight title. I've seen him go for. He just doesn't want it. And he's awesome.
3: Yeah, so he's uh, he's been the never open weight champion before. and He's been part of the tag. He's been you know one half of the tag team championship with Yano, but it doesn't look like that he's ever won any title you know higher than that he did have uh the never open weight tag team titles the the six man tag titles with Beretta and Yano as well so he's worked with Yano quite a bit and, but he's never you know like I, like you were just alluding to I think putting him in the mid card makes a lot of sense but if he wins never open weight then he's just to me he gets kind of kind of stuck there and uh I mean, damn, dude, he's he's one of the best wrestlers on their roster. I mean, they have such a fucking stacked roster in ring wise, but Ishii is all like phenomenal to watch. Absolutely.
2: All right. Um, yeah, man, I'm looking forward to it. Do you think that? Do you think that Jericho is going to do a different style with Kenny than he does with his brawler persona in New Japan? <laughs>
3: I'm going to ask, I, it's hard to tell because we haven't seen anything. We don't know how they're going to handle their rules. Uh we don't know if they're going to treat it more like New Japan from everything we've heard it's going to be more they they're kind of get, they're going for a more sports feel. So it could be harder refereeing, maybe similar to um you know WCW in the not too like not not late 80s but early 90s where Uh, when Jim Ross was still calling the matches, maybe it'll be a little more of the NWA style rules where they take things a bit more seriously. If so, I think he's just gonna have a straight fucking wrestling match. Um, I, you know, obviously with Okada, they're gonna go in and out of the ring quite a bit, I would assume. Um, oh yeah, but yeah, with with Jericho, this one could be uh, more of a wrestling match. You probably see some brawling on the outside, but I, I don't expect it to turn into like a full on no DQ match or anything. Um. If they do that, it's something that they're going to have to build to through being the elite before this pay-per-view. But as of right now, I mean, I'm assuming they're just going to have a straight fucking wrestling match, which will be be entertaining, to say the least.
2: Yep. All right, let's move on to our next one, a pretty cool one. Um, you know, kind of minor news, but I'm a big fan of MLW and what they've done, what Kurt Bauer's done with that company, an old company that he kind of – put, re-energize, if you will. And now uh, Jim Cornette's one of the main announcers. They've got the Hart Foundation, which is a combination of a lineage from the Hart family. This would be Brian Pillman Jr., son of Brian Pillman, who was part of the Hart Foundation and trained under uh, you know Stampede Wrestling. And then Bretton Owens' uh, nephew, uh, Teddy Teddy Hart, and Davey Boy Smith Jr., which is the British Bulldogs' son, uh, another uh, basically group uh, with lineage uh, within the name, uh, the Von Eriks, uh, Ross and Marshall Von Erich, who I have seen on the independent scenes, not in, in more smaller places over in Texas, they were uh, there. It's Kevin Von Eric's two sons. My Lord, there's a picture in Sports Illustrated of the two of them with their dad, and they just dwarf Kevin. Uh, although Kevin, he's he's like a uh, constant constant uh, fitness freak from what I hear, so that would make a lot of sense. But um, they they really started uh, you know getting better in pro wrestling. Noah, um, I've seen a tag match with them recently, and I forgot who the hell they were going against. I want to say it was. Uh, it doesn't matter either way. Genetic freaks. I don't know a lot about their wrestling, but I'm happy that with a tragic family like the Von Ericks and, and their whole history, which new episode of uh dark side of the ring i would definitely recommend uh about that whole situation it's nice to see the family's lineage in wrestling live on and mlw is a pretty good place for them to go to right after pro wrestling noah and could project them in a direction that say maybe one day they'll end up in you know if AEW gets big wwe impact new japan etc uh chris what did you think about this
3: I think it's a really good get for uh, MLW, uh, get the family lineage. You can obviously do stuff with a hard foundation. There's other, obviously other feuds you can set out the tag division over there is shaping up to look really nice, uh, in all honesty, in MLW. So I'm going to, I'm definitely going to tune in for their first match. Uh, Me like you, I've seen more of their stuff on the independent scene. I believe I saw them do some stuff with NWA a while back. Um, I mean the, the big thing is they definitely have the look and, um, when I saw them wrestle, there was nothing glaring that said, Hey, these guys are just a name. I think these guys could be the real deal. So to be, uh, you know, be, I think it's a huge gift for MLW. And it also, you know, from what they said, they were offered a tryout from WWE and they turned it down because they want to stay in Hawaii with their dad and uh, MLW allows them to work limited dates. So, you know, you're just doing TV tapings and then going back home. And uh, your live pay-per-views or whatever. So I think this works out perfectly for them. And um, it's a good gift for MLW. And, and they're over there, and MLW is doing a lot of stuff uh, differently than you know, the, the main products we have out there. So it's exciting all around. And uh, congratulations to those two guys. So it's a multi-year deal, as far as I know. So they'll be there at least, I mean, they're signed for two years. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Yep, we'll have to wait and see. But there's definitely some people
2: over there that they're, they can have fun feuding with, so it'll be very interesting. Let's move over to nice little announcement about this. Uh, well, uh, depending on how you feel about the Saudi Arabia shows, um, you know, it is what it is. Either way, there's a show coming to Jeddah on June 7th. We know that Brock Lesnar is going to be there. We know that uh, Undertaker is going to be there. And now we know that Bill Goldberg is making his return. Um As for who he's going against, we don't know that information. A lot of speculation that it'll be him against Brock Lesnar, um, but that has not been confirmed. Um, I don't know who any of those big names are going against. Uh, I know that John Cena will not be there. Uh, Dan O'Brien also will not be, so there's a couple of big names that are not going there, but definitely replaced by these three giant icons in professional wrestling. And Goldberg, uh, just to make note, all jokes, but... um, I know that Bobby Lashley uh, put – so I hear Goldberg is coming back and gave the uh, huh little emojis, two of them on Twitter, and Goldberg put back a fist. And then actually the thing that's pretty funny, uh, Randy Orton said, there goes another $2 million for, Go- for Bill Goldberg, <laughs> And which Goldberg said, love you too, kid. Um, so that doesn't probably mean anything. Uh, Bobby Lashley probably – I know to a uh, visual standpoint, i like to see Goldberg go against Roman. I've kind of always wanted that match, uh, Battle of the Spears, if you will. I put Roman over, obviously, in that situation, because for all we know, this could be Goldberg's last match. Um, Put Seth against Brock, let him get another win over Brock clean. I don't know about The Undertaker. I have no idea. I think it's a waste if you do Elias for for him. I'd rather them pick someone like Finn Balor as a demon or Aleister Black or, or someone that's still kind of supernatural or put a badass bigger dude against him. Like maybe – shit, put Lars Sullivan against The Undertaker or Lars Sullivan against Brock Lesnar. There's a lot of things that you can do with this whole entire thing. Uh, I'm not – too happy about all the situations obviously involving Saudi Arabia but these are some big shows that they demand and they get some big marquee matches and hopefully it's not awful like the other one and more better like the uh, Greatest World Rumble uh, but either way, Goldberg's going to be there uh, coming out of his locker room somewhere in the fucking castle and uh, walking there with security guards uh, so that should be interesting uh, Chris are, are you are you excited to see Goldberg come out of retirement and with the situation with Goldberg coming, with Brock Lesnar being confirmed for this, uh with Undertaker being confirmed, who would you like to see them go against?
3: I mean honestly, I would if I'm if I'm if I'm building this, I would like to see Drew McIntyre kill Goldberg just so that you get something out of Goldberg showing up, but you know, more than oh. likely they're going to do something with Roman or Brock would be my my guesses for what you're going to do with Goldberg and I, Ooh, I think Matt probably entire and Undertaker two. would be fun. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to have these big guys come back and you're trying to build your ratings back up, it makes sense to, you know, put them against somewhere where they're going to get a meaningful win. Um, obviously this isn't kind of the crowd. They're going to, I don't really think they're going to do that. It's probably mostly going to be good guys winning. I, w- I would think, Um I, I don't know. Brock and, and Goldberg had a pretty good seven-minute match at that Mania. Maybe if you do that again, you run the true. same kind of format, and, and it'd be pretty fun. Um, they're just there for name value alone more than anything else. As far as the Saudi Arabia shit goes, like there's not much really to say about it that hasn't already been said, but it's not going away anytime soon. As long as they're giving a ridiculous fucking amount of money to Vince McMahon to come over there and do two shows a year, I doubt that that's going anywhere, so... Um, I would just say if you, if you feel some sort of way about it, probably don't watch it, and I don't think you're going to miss much. I feel like this is basically a, a WWE house show. That's how they treat these events for the most part. It's like
2: a WrestleMania-level house show, but yeah, exactly. Giant <laughs> in concept, but doesn't really matter for the continuity of the actual product. Um but either way, I like what you said. I think if you put Drew McIntyre and got him a win over Undertaker, that would, or, or whoever, that would make him look big. You could do the same thing with Lars Sullivan against Brock Lesnar. Get up, get, let Lars get a fucking win over him. If you want to build your roster to be big, um, maybe Braun against one of them, you know, against Goldberg or something like that, that's a good idea for a wrestler to be able to get one up. Or, like I also suggested, let Seth get one that's, that's, that there's no, no bullshit involved over, you know Brock to solidify his championship, um, but most likely we'll probably see Goldberg and Brock go at it. Like you said, can't be that bad. I'm sure the Undertaker will be fine. Um, but let's move on. Uh, I just wanted to, before we start, kind of like going into this breakdown and and, um, and special report, if you fucking will, about Vince McMahon and the state of his uh, his consciousness. Um, I wanted to say uh, congratulations to Matt Morgan, The Blueprint. He is now the mayor of Longwood, Florida. Uh, I'm a huge fan of um, Wrestling Inc. No, no, it's Wrestling Inc. Uh, and their, uh, their podcast they do for Monday Night Around SmackDown with him and Raj Geary, the uh, editor over there. Um, and Glenn something. Actually, I find him friggin' annoying, so I'm not going to remember his last name. But either way, Matt's awesome. He's, he's good to get uh, information about wrestling. He actually announced this on the show. Uh, they had a vote. It was unanimous for him to be voted in. And that's awesome. Um, he's definitely smart. He's a libertarian. Um, I think he has to run for a Republican because that's how stupid this place is. But it's one of those situations very similar to uh, to Glenn Jacobs, a.k.a. Kane. But uh, happy for Matt. Um, and actually Glenn made a joke about how he, was, he wanted to buy a uh, – what the hell did he say – they, they do what we used to do, and that's a promo for Blue Chew, and he wanted to buy him a um, – uh, what the hell? A big – bump, not a bumper sticker, a uh, big old billboard uh, that said uh, Longwood brought you – or City of Longwood brought you by Blue Chew because Longwood. <laughs> and uh, uh, if Matt was like, please don't do that. That would not be good. But uh, either way, seems like a really cool guy. Uh, really knowledgeable about wrestling and has been in the politics in that area for a while. So uh, for me, Chris wrestling, geeks Alliance and King fives nation. I don't think you listen to this, but uh, either way, good job, man. Another wrestler in office somewhere. Um, All right, Chris, I don't even know how the hell we. God dang it. All right. So what we're going to do is we're going to, I'm going to kind of give a, a roll through of, of Vince kind of the stuff that's equaling up to, I think the breakdown of of Mr. Vincent Kennedy McMahon, because I feel at this point he's probably going to be going into a home very early because he's probably losing it. Um, It just – with the lack of sleep this man gets, it it can't be good. We got writers – Quitting. We, we heard about the writer that quit after Vince fake-fired him uh, for Brett saying his name too much in his speech at the Hall of Fame. Another r- writer uh, just quit. We know that road dog Jesse James uh, went down to basically more of a producer road agent uh, than the main writer for SmackDown through problems with Vince, including Vince rewriting everything uh, the day of, sometimes hours before. We know about the Frustration, and it's not just because there's a new company arising. It's frustration because of improper use, I would believe, by some of the superstars that Vince has, or big stars at least, that it's just kind of going over his head and he's still doing what he wants. Um, you know, uh, I think the interviews, the scripted interviews, are a good example of that. I think that being so overly produced with the commentating is a good example of that. The product itself is suffering immensely. We've been covering this for about three years, and it really, for a little while, was getting better, and that's what they do. They come and they try something different. They say, we're going to change things up. We heard you guys. We're going to change stuff up, and that lasts so often, and then it plumps back to shit. And coincidentally, Roman Reigns actually called that out uh, at the beginning of fucking Raw – uh, about that whole entire thing you guys came out here you said that you were going to make changes you weren't going to be in charge anymore the fans were going to be in charge and now you're doing the same thing Vince likes to use stuff that's going on and infuse it into his whole thing which is how he got came up with this wild card rule that he apparently just made up on the spot now we're supposed to believe that basically Vince is kind of using the excuse that his character is like this old geezer that's like losing sight of everything when in reality he's just making an excuse for reason of why he can do stuff like this. Uh we know the XFL is coming. Uh you know, we have a little bit of information about that, but you know, they already named some cities. Uh, I know that they're doing a thing with their with uh they're basically not making money off the commercials and more off the, the sales of of the arena from attendance and merchandise and stuff like that. That they're getting advertised by allowing um, people to make money off the ad revenue for themselves for their programming. For, for basically, for them to be providing the show itself, uh, the, the if it be NBC for for instance, they're going to be making money off the program and the, and the commercials for that, while they make money off the merchandise. That's what they're working out because they need to become an established product before you know people want to actually invest that much into them. Uh, But other than the XFL and how he's going to be wrapped up with that, you got writers quitting, like I said. Um, And then, like I said, the talent. I mean, Sasha Banks is not a good situation. Um, What they're doing to Luke Harper is very fucking petty, adding another six months to when he was done, which is over in January. He wouldn't be out of there until probably after WrestleMania, I believe, if I could do math correctly, which I can't. Um, But. I even made this example. Luke's got a family, so maybe he can just, you know, kind of be with them, get paid for it, and whatnot. Still, you know, the revival and what we saw of what they did with them on on uh, you know, with the, the Usi Hut after last week with shaving the backs and um, the fact that you don't see Gallows and Anderson because they're also leaving. It's not being really nice besides Dean Ambrose, the people on their way out. And you have people at the level of Dean Ambrose wanting to get the fuck out of there and just be done with it. It's very, very fucking telling. I don't care what Triple H says. He's got to feel pretty aggravated when he gives Vince his talent that he built, that Vince doesn't watch the product at all and doesn't know how these guys are and just starts them fresh, which is fine. But then underutilizes them, pushes them to the side, does a million other things, puts them in tag teams. Nothing that's coherent. There is no journey that the the continuity really doesn't matter from NXT to WWE. Shit, it doesn't really matter to fucking WWE to begin with. And the ratings are starting to matter a lot because Fox is coming, and they're going to be putting SmackDown in September on their programming, and it was making as much ratings – no, less ratings – for SmackDown on a Tuesday night on USA was making less ratings than that week on Fox with reruns on the spot that it's going to be on Friday night. That's not good. You know what else is bad for that? That even though you can throw DVR, which is now actually being put into the whole entire scheme of things, they're, they're counting that they're counting Hulu views or they're, they're, they're counting all this together. Things are getting down and going down and why would an advertiser want to pay for ad space to be a part of their commercials if they don't have many people watching it. They're having viewership issues that are close to, I think, TNA levels years ago, I think, I think is what, what I was uh, hearing on The Observer. It's absolutely ridiculous. This is very concerning. Their stock is doing pretty good. They've made so much money now off the Saudi Arabia deal, but once again, a lot of its blood money. And guess what? They still have to do those shows for a certain amount of time. For the money that they acquired, Fox. Yes, they pay. They got a lot of money from Fox for the acquisition or uh, of of the WWE to put SmackDown on there. If SmackDown doesn't do well in the ratings, if ads or if whatever, they can put on one of their sub channels, and it will go into Nothingville. And this goes back to Triple H because Triple H and Stephanie, and partially, I'm sure Shane, are going to be handed this package. And it's going to be fucking dropped on the ground 60,000 times and run over with a car by the time that they can do what they want to it. I think it's unfortunate to say, but I think this is the beginning of the end. I don't think that the boardroom or, or the stockholders or Vince – or you know all of them combined can get Vince out of power. I'm pretty sure he's the last person in control of this. This is him by himself. Uh, to make this decision, but I hope he makes the decision maybe to check out the XFL, or if that's a giant fucking explosion in his face, take a couple steps back and then let other people do it. I will say one thing before I pass to Chris, because I know I've talked way too much uh, about summing this whole entire thing up. The one thing that I will say I liked out of Raw SmackDown, the wrestling was really good, and the backstage interviews weren't conducted with overly script bullshit most of the time with one of the bots Uh, One of the Charlie bots, if you will, coming out, asking the same damn question, the person making fun of their question, and then going into their spiel that's overly scripted. No, they had old school stuff. Very, I have to say, very Bruce Pritchard-esque of just individual shots of a person and and vignettes uh, with Seth Rollins, to Kingston, Aleister Black had a third one on SmackDown. Um, All these different people, Ali uh had had some ability to talk and i think it was very effective and i like that way of doing promotion or promos so i'll give you know i'll i'll give some props where it's due uh but everything else just how chaotic raw was just the ratings everything this is not fucking good um and the fact that AEW is right around the corner and my p on TNT is very very even if they don't want to be direct competition, it's just not something that's going to help the matter when it comes to Vince's uh, mental health. So, uh, Chris, sorry for rambling so much, but what do you have to say
3: about this? And we'll 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 dive deeper. So, um, right off the bat, if you look at the numbers year from year, not counting this week's, which went back up slightly, but it's still the lowest it's been outside of a holiday show. Um, they're down 25% of their audience from the previous year. They've 25% of the people that watched wrestling on a weekly basis last year have tuned the fuck out. So Vince hits the big red panic button, which is we got to put these stars everywhere. Part of that's network pressure. Part of that's the stock prices dropping to $82 or whatever the hell it dropped from um, after they released how much money they lost in the last quarter. It's not good for Vince. So I think that they took some steps in the right direction with Raw and SmackDown. There's obviously stuff that stands out. The Revival segment's terrible. If, you, if you're going to treat the guys like that, just don't fucking book them. I think that would actually work more in your favor instead of just outraging your fan base who might actually like the Revival as a tag team. If you, if you really want to torment them, just treat them like Gallows and Anderson. Don't fucking book them because um, it was a cringeworthy segment that, to me, hurt the Usos. It made the Usos also look ridiculous, which you don't want to do. Outside of that, what they did on Raw and SmackDown is they gave us a fucking wrestling show. There was a lot of wrestling. There was good wrestling promos and matches, and matches that meant stuff, big marquee matches. Some of those matches were what you would build a pay-per-view around, um, specifically you know, the Koki match on both shows easily pay-per-view matches at built properly. So he knows there's a problem. How they fix it from here, that's the hard part. And, man, 25% of your audience tuning out is a huge fucking deal. I don't know how you fix it right off. I mean, I have a few ideas and, and I'm sure you have a few too, Dane, but i you covered most of it. I mean, right now, it's kind of shit or get off the pot. Um, people are tuning out. You have to make big changes. They, they obviously realize that their main event stars need to be on both shows. They don't have the guy. They don't have a CM Punk. Um, this is part of the reason I was worried about them turning Daniel Bryan heel. While Daniel Bryan's great and people like to tune in and watch his matches, he lost something a little special when he went from face to heel. I think he's doing a great job in the role. It's just he was their big baby face. Now they don't have that really filled. Kofi's trying his best. I think he's doing really well. There's obviously shit that they can change about his character that I think would help him a lot. Um, Turning the New Day against him, I think, would be a good move. Uh, Him not throwing fucking pancakes, probably also a good move if he's your serious champion who's getting wins over the likes of AJ Styles and uh, Sami Zayn in a single match. And Daniel Bryan, you know, night back-to-back. I like the fighting champion aspect. It's got very much a John Cena feel to it. There's stuff that they are doing well, but... They don't have that big star, and right now, all of those guys, the wild card rule does make sense, or as I called it on last week's show, the big red panic button, which I assumed Vince was going to hit, and uh, he did. So we'll see where it goes from here. But like you said, you have looming competition that's going to be on a different night, and 25% of your audience, I'm assuming, are probably still wrestling fans. And if you give them a really well-produced – alternative product that's not going to make them fucking cringe and tune out, they could easily show up and do that. But uh, as far as your numbers on TNA, TNA's highest was, uh, they they held around between 1.2 and 1.5. Not this week, but last week's SmackDown was at 1.8. So that kind of puts it in perspective of what that following looked like. Um, Wow. we'll, We'll see, but yeah, I mean everything you said I agree with. It's where do they go from here? And right now what they're trying to do is appease both television networks, even though they're not on Fox yet. You know. Fox just paid them uh was it one billion dollars for the T V rights? So it's a lot of fucking money. <laughs> and you don't wanna buy a show that's uh getting really shit ratings. <laughs> so so uh yeah, there's just a lot of changes up in the air. And before
2: we go into our our three things um, that – or a couple things from each of us that we think could help out, which both of us are schmucks that we're not fucking – we've not worked – we haven't owned our own business, let alone something this big. We don't really have a lot to say, but we do watch wrestling, and we do know things that work and what's not working. For that, I do want to mention that um, we were talking about this. We talked about this, and, and this is not a slam at anyone that's in, in the WWE that's top guy uh, because they do have some. Actually, it was very telling that Vince had certain people on that opening thing of Raw, and I, I mentioned this to Chris, but you know, Roman Reigns was there. Anything get booed, and I was actually happy about that. I'm glad people aren't dick, dick Uh Dan O'Brien, obviously, even though he's a heel right now. Kofi Kingston. I think, and I've said this a lot, that Drew might be towards the end, but I think that Vince does see physicality and, and his look and admires that AJ, Seth. You'd probably throw KO, Braun Strowman in there. I think those are your your bigger name guys in the WWE. And all of them are awesome. All of them are great names. Dan O'Brien being a heel kind of puts them in a different position in the same uh, way I'm, I'm talking about. But basically it reminds me of the 90s, the early 90s uh, in WWE, the new generation. And that's when Hulkster and Macho Man left. And this is before The Rock and Stone Cold. But you had Shawn Michaels. You had The Undertaker. You had Razor Ramon. You had Diesel. You had Owen Hart. You had, um, I'm trying to think, Bret Hart, obviously. probably Him and Shawn were probably the two. And, and Undertaker were probably the biggest three out of all of them. But, the same type of concept. All those guys are huge names. I know The is a huge name. I know that Seth Rollins and AJ Styles and Roman Reigns are all huge names. But they don't they, – none of them – all of them acquired our great roster to be a part of, but it's not the guy. It's not someone that gets through just the wrestling fans to, like, everyone and makes everyone want to watch their product. And we don't even know if AEW has that. You know, this is something that doesn't happen a lot. I think Okada – I think that we can kind of say that he is to New Japan. John Cena is the closest thing that we have. CM Punk is another one that's up there. Daniel Bryan, when he's a babyface. you know, they can draw a huge amount of people to go and view WWE, whether or not they be a diehard wrestling fan or not. They, they, they get known. People start doing the, the yes thing at sporting events, you know, same thing with CM Punk was becoming popular. People knew about the pipe bomb that didn't even fucking watch wrestling. John Cena is everywhere. He's probably the closest thing to Hulk Hogan that we've ever seen. Uh, in reality, you don't really have anyone. And, and that's kind of the question I'll propose to you, Chris, because I think that me and you both uh, have one answer, but there's not many outside of that. If not any of these guys, who do you think is someone that can be the guy in the next couple of years for WWE?
3: I mean, I, I think number one with a bullet is Velveteen Dream. He's just got, he's got the charisma that Nakamura had. And he's not lazy, and he's really fucking making an effort to get better week to week. He's 23 years old. I think he's different. He has a different look, different charisma, um, a little mixture of Ric Flair and Rick Rude. It's it's fucking great. The androgynous uh, nature of even like a gold dust to some extent. He's just different. He's different than anything we've seen. He's different than the rest of the WWE product. He's not a mystical character like they like to build. He's not your big, strong freak of a man he is just a different wrestler and the last time i fucking can remember seeing someone like that is the rock and i'm not saying he's ever going to get to the level of the rock but they need something different someone that's good in the ring and can have good fucking matches as as Bellatine dream has shown us and right now i mean they're starved for something different and you strap a fucking rock into that guy and push him to the moon and see what happens because right now that's what they need i mean it it may not fucking work but they got to do something different seth's been on top for forever aj's there but he's aj to me is as great as aj is he's one of the greatest wrestlers in the world maybe of all time has amazing matches to me he's never been the top guy he's not the top star he is a guy that is is it can be a really great transitional champion it's Similar to Shawn Michaels in the He's 90s, I think it's a, a perfect Shawn. example. Yeah, yeah. He's not a Shawn, stone yep. cold. He's not a rock. And the nope. only way you're ever gonna find that is to look at someone like Velveteen Dream, who is different, who is doing something different, something that people haven't seen before, and take that and fucking run with it, and let the guy be himself and, and be that character, and, and really go out there and. Put it all on the line. You know, maybe he falls flat on his face, but at least you're doing something different. You're fucking trying. Because repeating the same formula, bringing up the Lars Sullivans of the world, booking them as monsters, when you've already missed the boat on one named Braun Strowman, it's just not going to work for the crowd. And um, having him kill Matt Hardy, I don't think is going to go over well with the fans either. (laughs) Just to throw a little SmackDown spoiler out there. It's, you got to do something different. And when Vince gets in trouble, he falls back on what he knows, and he knows what his main event is right now. The only difference I've seen him do is he's putting faith in Kofi and he's giving Kofi wins. Because right now, Kofi is WWE's top star, and I never thought I would fucking say that. I love Kofi. Huge New Day fan. Pretty amazing. Been big. They're fucking over. Like, I love Kofi. But right now, look at that company. And maybe you could say Seth Rollins, but outside of that, Kofi is the biggest fucking name on their main roster. So, at least from that yeah. standpoint, he's giving Kofi his win, And obviously, they're going to have to tweak his character a little bit. They're trying something different. Now, apply that same thing to someone like Velveteen Dream. Give him a huge push. And then, you know, build Adam Cole up. Build the Undisputed Era. Put them fucking up. Give those guys meaningful wins. Give the tag team fucking actual... A tag team run against people who are meaningful. Stop fucking over the revival. Give them a good pro, uh, program. There's lots of stuff that you can do. But at the end of the day, when you're talking about one person who could probably change the company, Velveteen Dream is the first person that comes to mind.
2: I completely, completely agree with you. Um, I just think that he has it. And I think that it's, it's, it, you see this with certain individuals where you're like, it's, it's only a matter of time. I saw that with Brock. When I first saw Brock, I was like, he's going to be a huge name, and he is a draw. Now, he's more on the side of, like, an Andre the Giant-style draw, like, more of an attraction because he's so monstrous. Like, unlike, say, a John Cena, it's a different different look. I, I think Undertaker would be in that type of category as well. And Roman might also be the uh, same type of thing. They're, they're more of, like, ferocious beasts, if you will, like werewolves and shit. I don't know. Maybe Vince is just kind of weird. But they do end up making a lot of money. But you do need that guy who's got that charisma, that stamp of approval with the fans. He's a good if he wants to go heel. He's good if he wants to go babyface. Someone who's young is nice. Uh, Someone who's already crisp in the ring but still 6'4". All those things are Velveteen dream. And with NXT, I have to say, I've looked at the landscape now. I think it's great for NXT, and they're going to be building great stars, But even, like, you know, Undisputed Era has to go up at once, and they'll be a great entity. But for someone to be the the, the number one person, I can't even see anyone down there. And I love Johnny Gargano. I think that if they were to use him, like, say, a a Ricky Steamboat, like, you know, big baby face, they could do that. But still, I don't think he's going to be the face of the company. I'm just being honest. Um, I don't think they see that with Aleister Black or Ricochet, but I think that they have a lot of potential, you know, uh, within their career, but like we're talking about, like we're saying that 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 top upper echelon, like I said, Daniel Bryan was the closest that we've kind of gotten to that. Before him was Punk. Before him was Cena, Brock's in that mix. Stone Cold, The Rock, Hulk Hogan, your Ric Flairs, that type of thing. Drawing power is probably one of the most biggest thing within that. You know, we're talking about the blockbuster films, not necessarily the indie uh, loving films, if you will. Sometimes they're a combination of both. Maybe they're a Marvel film. How will we just put it that way? Uh good acting, good everything. But yeah, we need someone there. And I think I think honestly the Velveteen Dream is that answer. Uh f- most part. I think Matt Riddle could do pretty well with his charisma, but his broiness kind of just makes me want to punch him. But he's also good in the ring. I don't think he'll get to that level. I think the Velveteen Dream is the closest that you can get, uh to someone. Like that, I think that your suggestion when we were just talking about it, it's never going to happen. But it was a really cool suggestion, so I might as well share it, even though you guys are going to hate us. But Chris was talking about if Paul Heyman was the manager for Kazuchika Okada, and they didn't go down the route of fucking everything up like they did with Shinsuke, and it, that that would be a brilliant concept if he was just a prize fighter, like it's his normal thing. I know that he actually knows a decent amount of English. She's not leaving New Japan, and I love Okada. I would love to see him over here, but I don't want to see WWE possibly waste him. And that goes back into what I was going to say before we go into our top three things. (laughs) The only one problem I can see with Velveteen Dream uh, going up to Maine is the person we're talking about. Would Vincent Kennedy McMahon, the one that is today, Chris – properly book Velveteen Dream or have him as a sideshow act within six months in your honest opinion
3: I don't think so I, I think the reason they've kept him in NXT this long is that they are protecting him and trying to put him in the perfect situation which they haven't done with a lot of other wrestlers um, I, 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 I would be baffled if Vince is missing on this guy Vince misses on a lot of guys. He misses on a lot of scenarios. And a lot of these people are indie darlings and we love them more in our hearts for their wrestling abilities than their top star ability. Yeah. Vince, Vince doesn't miss on too much once he sees something great. And maybe he's just waiting for the right moment. Triple H is definitely, I'm assuming in its fucking year about double team dream. HBK has gushed over him. Those two guys being in Vince's ear probably goes a long way. I think they're just waiting for the right moment. Um, and hopefully they don't pull the trigger too early, man. Uh, the other thing is you, you're you basically going to cannibalize NXT, you know? So it, to me, he's the top star there right now. I, I love Matt Riddle. I think Matt Riddle's great. I like the Undisputed Era as a crew. I like Adam Cole. Um, but Velveteen Dream is their biggest draw. So you're you're going to pull him off. You're, you are you got to rebuild it with something. And, and I think they're trying to do that with yep. Targano and, and uh, you know, obviously Riddle. And it's just timing. Um, getting the timing right to pull him up. And maybe that means Kofi losing the title. You know, Vince is kind of fucking weird about that kind of shit. Like, I don't know that we'll ever see two African-Americans both holding the titles at the same time in WWE as long as Vince is there. Um, Not to be a negative Nancy, but... I mean, just look at the past with WWE. Let's just go that way. Um, But fuck... I don't, there's no, I don't see how he could fuck this up. Um, And I definitely don't see Velveteen becoming a sideshow act. He's just, he's got so much natural charisma. It's similar to like a Jeff Hardy where it's going to be hard to fuck up unless he just stops caring. Now, if he stops caring, that's a different thing, but it doesn't seem like it's going that route. I think that they're telling them he's built for (sighs) going to the moon. So we'll, we'll see, man. Like I said, strap the fucking rocket on him. Let's go. Book him have him win meaningful fucking matches. Have him beat everyone. Fuck it. Why not? Don't give him an don't give him an unbeaten streak or anything weird like that, but make the man have some meaningful matches and get some fucking wins. At least they're doing that with Kofi right now. But yeah, I, I even even if Vince is worse, I don't think he can fuck this one up because it is like almost like a unicorn that you find someone that kinda has everything so young. You know, it's, it's, uh, let's say, like, let's say, like a, you know, like a Wayne Gretzky almost. Like, it's not, you don't, it's generational talent. That's the term I'm looking for. And, and I think Velveteen Dream can be that. So if they fuck that up, I, I don't even know. I think, I think we should all turn the TVs off <laughs> at that point. <laughs> just, just stop. Hold my beer. <laughs> oh, God. Yep.
2: Uh, all right. So we, me and you were talking about, so one of them is, is don't fuck up and Dream in the future. But other than that, you know, a couple things that we think WWE should do based on what they're doing right now that could help the product. Uh, Chris, I'm going to let you go first because we didn't really go over uh, to see if we had the same one. So just in case you have any of the ones I have, I'm going to scratch them out and try to think of something else on the fly. So take your time.
3: So my first one is calm down the TBU execs in the battle between Fox and USA or USA and BC, I guess I should say, calm that shit down. And the only way that I see you do that is you bring Brock back and you, you pay someone like Dwayne, the rock Johnson, which would be my number one pick. And you bring him back and you build Brock versus the rock at mania, or you get Cena and you do that. But Cena's filming shit right now. And I mean, it's going to cost you a lot. I mean, to get The Rock to schedule him like they did for the John Cena runs, I'm sure it's probably going to cost you a cool $10 million, but maybe you just lose that money knowing you're going to make it up on the back end of WrestleMania building to this massive fucking thing. That is my first thing that I would do. I, it, in, it makes the most sense to me as far as where the product currently stands. And knowing that you need to get your ratings up before you move to Fox, having The Rock show up at SummerSlam to build a match to WrestleMania will keep people tuned in, especially if he's having sporadic appearances. So I don't know how much money it takes to get that done nowadays with The Rock. I don't know how he left out. I know he was pissed about the Royal Rumble thing with Roman Reigns. Hasn't really done much since. Maybe it's time just to break open the checkbook. You're already doing it for the XFL. You know you're losing money on that, so if you're just going to lose money, um, throw some of the fucking Rock's way, get your ratings back up, the Rock is a huge fucking draw across everywhere. He's got his own TV show, his own challenge, all sorts of ways to promote him. And you bring back Brock, and now you have The Rock versus Brock again. And uh, to me, that's your fucking money marquee match for WrestleMania, and you build to that. And that keeps people invested for quite a bit. And people will go, oh, that's not what the fucking want to see at WrestleMania or on the weekly show. But at the same point, I'm not talking to diehard wrestling fans. I'm talking about the 25% of people that turned off the fucking TV and aren't watching anymore or your casual wrestling fan, the rock and Brock Lesnar or huge fucking draws, figure that out and make that happen. It's going to cost you, but it might be worth it in the long run. So that would be my number one thing I would try to do.
2: I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, it actually really goes kind of well with what I'm doing. I, the whole point of this, or, or part of the point of this, is 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 the overall product gaining more, you know, viewers getting the ratings back up, so that people are tuning in, that people are going and watching it on DVR more often, that they're actually watching the hulu stuff. Basically, if you are, if if if, if WWE's main content is being shown uh, on on YouTube in clips, that's not good. Um, that means that people are not going to even watch it now. They're, they're, they're. It, I think it's actually smart waiting at least this week they did uh, until the show's over before they put the clips online. Um, I'm not saying people's attention spans attention spans are, are are small. That's that's obvious. But at the same time, it's like it, you're just screwing yourself over. Like, why would I watch this thing for three fucking hours when I can do a condensed version and get caught up tomorrow? I mean, most of the good wrestling is on the pay per view so you're not missing as much as long as you figure out the basis of the storyline. So give incentive. Uh, but yeah, having Brock Lesnar and the rock on there could definitely help stuff out. I know the rocks, he's doing like a million things all at once. So maybe I'm sure he can figure out some time to do something, even if they build a SummerSlam just for short term, like just get big stars back for periods of time. Um, Unfortunately, we do need that at this point uh, to get the ratings back up. But one, one idea I had, this might be crazy, but I don't know what he's doing. And maybe he'd say yes. I know that everyone hates authority figures. I get that. There's one person I think that that, that would not cover. And that's fucking – it's very similar to why you try to get the rocker Brock. You call up Mr. Stone Cold Steve Austin. Guess what? You say, hey, Steve. How would you like to come on, I don't know, six months, we'll pay you this much, and bring up the ratings, you're going to be the sheriff for on SmackDown, something he's already done in the past, do whatever, but it adds that layer of people being able to see everyone's favorite fucking redneck, Stone Cold, on camera, presenting stuff instead of the McMahons. Maybe this is, you know, Roman called them out. You guys are still doing whatever the fuck you want. Maybe, I don't know why, Linda McMahon puts a fucking government official order that Stone Cold has to keep them in line since she works for the president. This is stupid shit that they would do back in the attitude universe, so if anyone thinks I'm fucking crazy, you can go fuck. Never mind. But, bring Austin on, you let him bring his four-wheelers down to the damn ring, make announcements, about matches that he puts together and shit like that. Let him have a little bit of fun. If I'm sure he would not, he'd probably do the same fucking routine he did 12 years ago with chilling afterwards and having fun with the audience and shit like that. Interactions with people that we've never seen him have interactions with, completely different time period. He's still in great shape, and all we're asking is for him to come out and host every Raw or something. Maybe SmackDown. I would say probably just more Raw. I don't think we need two people. Just fucking do it to help the ratings out. That's all I'm saying. This is kind of, these, these things are pretty much dire need. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's my first idea, uh, Chris.
3: Yeah, I think that's a, that's a great one. Um, for, my, for my second idea, obviously, would be build your next star, which we just talked about. Don't fuck up Velveteen Dream. You got to get a guy. And uh, if that guy's Velveteen Dream, strap the rocket to him push him to the moon, like I said. Um, don't fuck it up. <laughs> Get him up as soon as possible. Make him have win- meaningful wins. And uh, just from a show booking standpoint, have more fucking wrestling, less 20-minute interviews at the beginning of the show. I know you're setting up your card. Try to build that out ahead of time if you can. But yeah, that that's... I mean, Most of mine is, is more around the presentation of the show. If you're going to if you're going to do what they did on Raw, I think is a good example. Have the backstage interviews, get rid of the in-between shitty backstage announcers, have more wrestling. In a three-hour wrestling show, I should see at least an hour and 45 minutes of wrestling. If I'm not seeing at least almost two hours of wrestling, they've done fucked up somewhere. So (laughs) that would be my next thing, and I think that they're trying that. But, you know, outside of that, build your next star. And to me, like we said earlier, the next star is Velveteen Dream.
2: Yeah. Uh, this next one kind of combines some stuff, but uh, and it, it seems like it's, it's kind of what we were talking about, but like less scripted interviews. I understand you got to sometimes have an idea of what a person should say or you don't have as much faith as, as a certain other wrestler's been there for a long time and can just do it off the top of their head. Or like John Cena, like just take bullet points. That's fine. It can't be over scripted. It can't be too much. It's gotta reflect the person. You don't have to make certain people articulate as shit. Whether it be like a Dana, Dana Dana Brooke, and I love her. She's a very very sweet, nice lady. But it seems like they 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 just make her dialogue just unneededly complicated. Alistair Black even. He just has to beat people's asses. Yeah, I do understand this, this perspective that he probably would be an intellectual. Like you'd hang out with with Danny Carey from Tool and talk about like weird, occult philosophy or whatever. You know, uh, I'm sure that that's there. But he could probably just not be over articulate. You made Bray sound like he was fucking crazy when he was doing that. No one knew he sounded like the ultimate warrior basically, and Bray Wyatt was doing that type of shit. None of that's needed. And for God's sakes, quit overproducing the commentators. I like it when you can just tell that Corey's kind of just being Corey and just going off cuff because Renee, Michael Cole. I I understand he's got to do plugs for for Twitter and all that, but some of the stuff it's just it, it's it's wretched. It's it's terrible. Um, God, I mean, uh, and I, win win and losses. That that's all something that's a big thing. Continuity like remembering that certain people lost. One thing I'll give, them, I'll, I'll give them a little bit of a pass is that you had Ricochet and Bobby Roode go after each other, and the whole thing was Bobby Roode was pitching the fact that he beat Ricochet the week before. So now they also can have a rubber match later on, maybe even build a feud with them. That's that's fine, but the interview that it, that he was saying that for was was on your website and not on the actual product. So we got the announcers letting us know about that and not letting Bobby Roode kind of have a little bit of like fucking what I I think it was like 15 seconds to shine. I'm just saying stuff like that very much bothers me. There's only one other thing I could think of that could help the product, but I'm going to pass to Chris and see if he has uh, any last last words before we move on.
3: Yeah, so I'm going to piggyback a little bit on Bully Ray. Um, And not necessarily, it doesn't necessarily have to be this guy, but bring in a new writer, truly separate the brands, let Vince run raw, how he wants to run raw, and bring in someone like a Gabe Sapolsky or a Paul Heyman to book SmackDown. When Paul Heyman booked SmackDown from 2003 to 2005, it did the biggest number of SmackDowns ever done. Some would say that's the roster. They had Edge, they had Jeff Hardy, they had CM Punk, but those are all CM Punk guys. Guys that CM Punk knew how to push. Or guys that uh, Paul Heyman knew how to push, I should say. Bring in a different mind. Give him the reins. Say, write a fucking wrestling show and let him write a wrestling show. See what happens. Go with it. Do it for two months. But actually do it for two months. Don't give up on it if the first week it's not brilliant. You got to give him time to figure out what stars are going to work where. And uh, the perfect guy for that, honestly, is Paul Heyman. Fucking maybe you give him the reins and you let him go. The big thing in general, even if you don't want to go that route, is you cannot have Vince booking both shows last minute. It goes into continuity. Hiring a continuity director, I think I made a fucking joke when we were talking over the weekend where I was like, I should get that fucking guy from Marvel. He seems to know how to book a bazillion superheroes that make sense at the end of the day. Find a continuity director to work with whoever your head booker is and make the shit at the end of the day makes sense. And and lay off the fucking pee pee poo poo gimmick <laughs> shit. <laughs> we don't need gag jokes um, on Monday Night Raw. We just really really don't.
2: Yeah, the the thing with with that is I'm I'm sick of it. It seeming like Vince is doing certain things to make himself pop in the fucking gorilla position instead of catering to what the audience you know their intelligent level really is honestly like it's some of it's just stupid enough funny
3: yeah I, I agree with you 100% and i mean like it's it's fine whatever it's here and there it's okay i mean you can have comedy characters they've done it in the past correctly but just doing it to bury a a team that doesn't want to be there and giving us these cringe-worthy pg segments let's uh Let's avoid that if possible in the future. Yeah.
2: Um, All in all, my last um, thing, let me, let me, let me get to my notes. Hold on one second. Okay. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, Vince retires and turns things over to Stephanie and triple H. Uh, If you're, if you're going to ask me, what do I think are three things that can happen to make the product better and the ratings go up and everything? Yes. I think that that needs to happen. I love some of the stuff that Vincent Vincent Kennedy McMahon has provided towards my childhood, towards my adulthood, and the years in fucking between. Uh, but he is out of touch. Uh I'm it's crazy because watching WWE's early two thousand stuff, I mean, it's not as much variety show as he had it, but he's gotten so far away from professional wrestling with sports entertainment. Um but now, at the point where it's like it's not even coherent. And uh, this, we're about to rate uh, Raw and SmackDown. And I thought Raw really suffered for the fact that it was just a bunch of like chaos. You know, it was everything thrown in last minute. You could just tell. Um, I think his vision is. I, I just don't think that he should be the guy changing up everything last minute, you know, anymore. I know that he has the right because he's his owner, but I'm just saying that he is solely fucking up the product and uh soon he's gonna be dealing with a most likely failing football league. So you know, he's in the seventies. I, I think it comes to a point in time where we I don't know, just put him in the, the home. And what I mean by home is this giant mansion. And uh let let someone that's proven that he's really good with professional wrestling give us a really great product because I'm telling you, if not, things will reflect in the future. Viewership will go down. SmackDown will get moved to some random-ass Fox fucking station. AEW will get more popular because people will go there looking for something that's better than what's been known as the biggest. Everything that Vince doesn't want to happen will happen unless they get him out of being the main person in charge. Or at least not being so... On the spot and and reactionary shit. I thought that fucking Warner Brothers was reactionary with DC films. I don't know. I think Vince McMahon's got them beat, for Christ's sakes. It's fucking ridiculous. Just, I'm, that's to me, and I'll give it back to you, Chris, for any closing statements from you. That to me is the number one thing that if you want to, if you want to not just make the product better, but save the product for WWE in the long run, Vince's gotta go pretty soon
3: Yeah and I don't know that he fully has to leave completely but you got to stop hot shot, shotting shows. you got to stop writing on the fly you gotta stop writing day of. Obviously there's gonna be incidents where people get hurt and you have to change shit but for the most part me and you kind of had the same general thing which is if you're taking a show to Fox it's got to be more sports based it can't be entertainment based. I don't know that Vince knows how to do that anymore. So bringing in someone else, a fresh perspective, a booker, maybe someone like Delirious or Gabe Sapolsky, like I mentioned, or Paul Heyman, who could give you a fresh look at it would go a fucking long way. But at the end of the day, we're basically saying the same thing, which is you got to let your writers write. You got to let your bookers book. You can't come in and change it on the fly all of the fucking time. Right now, I get what he's doing. It makes sense. You know, the way he put draw on SmackDown, I thought was fine. They needed to – they went up against some hard fucking competition with obviously the NBA playoffs going on and uh, the, probably the biggest game of the entire playoffs, Golden State and, and the Rockets playing each other. You know, it's it's tough to say put Vince out the pasture. I don't necessarily think he have to go that far. I think he could probably still contribute – but you've got to stop rewriting the show's 10 seconds beforehand. We've got to stop with just gratuitous fucking promos that go on and on and on. And it, it fucking definitely harken back to Vince Russo and Eric Bischoff and WCW when they came back as a combined group. Some of the shit on not this week's Raw and SmackDown, but last week's Raw and SmackDown were very fucking WCW. Where, you know, the match has already been announced. And they're coming out, cutting promos, to fucking announce the match. Like that kind of shit can't happen, and it shouldn't happen for a company that's been around as long as WWF that literally killed a company that did that kind of shit. So I agree. You got to fucking – you, you got to stop it. You need continuity. It's You got to be on top of it, and if it means bringing in fresh bookers… I fucking, I don't know, reach out to the guys from MLW. Sign someone, for Christ's sakes. Like, Don Callis obviously is doing really well on Impact. That shit's really picked up. Maybe you bring him in to help you book or something, but for the love of God, you can't continue to book the way you're booking. I'll give them a pass with Kofi. I think they're booking him really well. There's other shit on the shows that we're going to talk about that I hated. Um, I thought all the matches were pretty decent this week, but there's booking stuff that I hate, like like I said, we'll get into that, but I, yeah, I agree with you 100%. Either Vince steps down, lets Triple H take over, which by all accounts, for any diehard wrestling fan, you look at NXT versus Raw or SmackDown, this show's a billion times fucking better. And it's simplistic. It's a wrestling show. Now, that's not going to work for your mainstream audience 100%. It's just not. You need a little bit of things that make it more of a reality TV show. But at the same fucking time, it doesn't have to be an hour of a three-hour show, and it doesn't need to be booked on the fly so much.
2: Completely agree. (coughs) Sorry, I got something in my throat. Anyways, yeah, when it comes to Vince… There's no one that can really, like, tell him either. Like, I get it. I mean, he's done a lot in his lifetime. He's taken something that his father created and just globalized it, like, quite literally. Uh, It just, like you said, you watch a one-hour television show that has a couple matches on it but is done on such a different level compared to the three-hour product. And then watch a three-hour pay-per-view compared to a six-hour pay-per-view, if not more. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's just – I like Triple H's style. And, uh, yeah, I think that obviously, yeah, he can still have a creative part in everything. It's just being the one that can change things, the last person to know. All the notes are are, are turned into him, and then he does what he wants finally. Like the judge and his fucking – Television writers are his minions. It's frustrating, but either way, that's just how it is nowadays, guys. That's that's uh that's what we're looking at within WWE, and hopefully things get better. You know, the one thing that that I will say, and I'll, I'll pass it right back to you, Chris, um, is <laughs> luckily they have money. So if if it were to get the worst that it could, they still know they have the diehard audience like us. And they'll put the fucking shit on the goddamn network. So aren't going anywhere. They'll still be probably the number one wrestling network or, you know, wrestling show. But I'm just saying it's always going to be there. It just shouldn't be doing as bad as it is because of the roster that it has. And because, honestly, there's been worse times, I think, writing-wise or stuff that I've seen, early 90s, early 2000s, that were t- more terrible. But it just is plummeting in the ratings. Sorry, what were you going to say, Chris?
3: Yeah, all I was going to say is uh, Pipe Dream You cut AEW off before they get it Off the ground And you work with New Japan And you figure that shit out And you have WWE Versus New Japan And you get Gato in there And you book some good pay-per-views Between those two And New Japan gets its new American audience And WWE reaps all the benefits While cutting the legs out from under AEW Before they can get that shit off the ground That's a pipe dream, but it's something that would make smart business move. A lot of people are going to be really pissed about that because they're going to be like, what about the gold lovers? And my response would be, in business, it doesn't fucking matter. And if you're Vince McMahon, I think that's an easy idea to pitch where you could cut them out and you could do something really fun with New Japan, you could give people John Cena versus Okada, you could give them AJ Styles versus Okada, you can give them you know, fucking NATO versus... Nakamura, uh, Daniel Bryan versus Kota Ibushi, there's so many good matches that you get a lot of the Indie Darlings or the New Japan fans back if it's done well. The only thing I would say about that is if New Japan ever agreed to it, Gato should get 60% booking control where he can override whatever the fuck WWF wants to do. (laughs) That way he can help out both Yeah.
2: yeah could you and imagine? Like said, like... It's a,
3: it, it's a, it's a pipe dream. But AEW has no contract in place with New Japan. And if you're Vince and you have way more fucking money, willing that you're willing to spend on wrestling, maybe you go that route. And I think it would work. <sighs> I really do think it would work.
2: I, I love the idea, I really do. But I don't want to get my hopes up for something like that. Um, but at the same time, dude, I just thought about Kazuchika Okada. Just standing up, and fucking some arena. He's got the Universal title, and he's got the IWGP heavyweight title. Just holding a bolt in the sky at the corner. That's pretty fucking awesome. Um, let's see if we can get a fraction of that, you know, coolness. That would be great. But, God, New Japan and WWE working together is like, to me, is almost like Marvel and DC. Well, they did have comic books back in the fucking 90s, so we'll, we'll, we'll see. that. These are all uh, great you know, talking points. These are, uh, uh, you know, just us thinking about ideas, some of them realistic, some of them, you know, from both of us that have been just more like, like Chris said, like a pipe dream, but it's fun to think about. And Hey man, I just want the product to be good. And I also don't want WWE to suffer too much, um, in the future. And I don't want AEW honestly to suffer because they're going through fucking television deals right now. So if, other television companies that were thinking about it are looking at the ratings and the ad revenue and and, and and calculating everything up for what WWE is doing as an example of the same market. They might have hesitation for AEW uh, for 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 doing something. So this could affect all the wrestling stuff that we like. You know, wrestling's got to stay popular. It's got to stay. Well, I'm, there's more wrestling fans out there, I think, today. It's just in a very weird cycle of people that like different things sporadically. And still, we need more masses uh, to have their eye on the product for it to kind of succeed, you know, to keep on going with this uh, golden age, if you will. Uh, now, any last statements, Chris, before we move on to the next thing?
3: Yeah, I mean, like like I said, the I, I, I think... would just pivot this as far as the listeners go to saying we're not saying they're going to do any of this obviously (laughs) we're just saying it's definitely things that would change the company in a positive light and I think give the fans something to look forward to and at the end of the day 15 years from now I want there to still be people watching wrestling and if you don't change and you don't evolve and you don't try different things it will die and if WWE dies it indirectly affects every other company coming up to grab that brass ring is a big fucking job and maybe AEW can do it, but it's going to take a Herculean fucking effort to topple a company that makes that's worth $6.8 billion. Yep. So just keep that in mind. I mean, we're just, like we said, we're just giving advice. Some of it's realistic. Some of it's things they could actually do some of it's fucking pipe dreams. Like, you know, do Japan thing. Even though that would make a lot of business sense.
2: Would be so uh, fucking
3: awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you bring back fucking uh, <laughs> Starcade <laughs> or some shit. Like, make it its own fucking pay per view, big giant thing. You do it. You know what? You fuck everyone else on WrestleMania weekend, and you do that show on fucking Thursday, and you do it in Japan with WWE superstars, and God, then they fly back so and cool. they WrestleMania. So there's so much Dude, cool shit they, you can right. do. Ob- so, so they have, like, a match.
2: They have a match with, like, the Girls of Destiny, and they're, they're fighting someone, and all of a sudden the lights go out, and they come on. AJ Styles is like, remember me? And just beats shot shit out of him. And then the other – all it starts getting flooded with Bullet Club, and, like, he's fighting all of them. Gals and Anderson are probably going to be done. This is never going to happen. Why am I talking about this? Oh, God.
3: <laughs> because if – right. if, if I'm telling you, even fans of, that aren't WWE fans, if you look at WWE's roster and you can't find me one New Japan wrestler that you would like to see versus one WWE roster wrestler, then you're fucking insane because their roster is way more stacked than AEW <laughs> as far <laughs> as top talent. The talent WWE has been the best it's ever been, and that's why I said it yep. would make fucking great business sense because now you can yeah. give them the dream match, and you can produce it however the hell you want, Vince, if it makes sense.
2: Oh, my God. But, you want that like I said, that's, in my mouth. that's
3: cutting the legs out of AEW. And and like I said, at the end of the day, I just don't want, like, 20 years from now, for me to be talking about wrestling and it just be only existing on an independent format that I have to watch on the internet and pay $20 a month for or some shit. Like, I want it to be out there in the forefront, and I, I want people to still care about it, not for it to be a little niche thing. I want it to be, if I could have my way, it to be as big as it was when WCW <laughs> wwf were running against each other in 98 with 7 million people watching one show and 5 million people watching the other show because that's a lot of fun for yeah. me
2: good old glory days maybe we'll get back to them we'll have to wait and see this is dan rather and you are listening to what oh, never mind um Let's move on because after talking about, you know, having the uplifting ending that Chris just gave us and some of our, our fun ideas, now why don't we just go over on SmackDown? That sounds great. Um, all right. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm, I mean, there are things, especially with SmackDown, that I did like, but I uh, went through and tried to shorten the episodes to the biggest, the meat of everything. But we kind of talked about what Raw. Uh, basically, Vince uh, has kind of put on this senile persona. You know, he's down. He's got this huge announcement to make uh, that would be the wild card that he kind of made on the fly, apparently. Uh, but you could tell, like I said, who he considers like the top guys uh, to him because Roman Reigns comes out. Um, and then Dan O'Brien comes out. Uh Basically, these were the two, yeah, because both of them are SmackDown, so they they were coming for whatever reason. There wasn't, like, a lot established, but then Kofi Kingston came out, who's a WWE heavyweight champion, obviously a SmackDown person, and Drew McIntyre came out He wanted to fight Roman Reigns, have, uh, you know, a rematch. Um, and then I think, uh, yeah, yeah, then they set up Kofi and Daniel Bryan, another rematch. The two, I think those were our wonderful main events. Uh, we come back from break, and then he had AJ Styles and Seth Rollins out. He had AJ come out right before the, the break, and they had their little thing. This lasted 30 minutes long, uh, total. Uh, but it would set up a match finally with where we thought Roland, Rollins and Styles were going to go at it. But of course, Vince does his thing. He puts them together on a team to go against Corbin and Lashley. Uh, We'll we'll go into the match, but Chris, what what did you think about this giant 30-minute introduction for everything and and good old senile
3: Vince? Honestly, you know, normally I I would have a problem because I bitch about long intros to these shows all the time, but for this one, they had to do it. I mean, it was the giant red button, right? So set up a bunch of matches. It did not keep me hooked. I wanted to see Kofi versus Daniel Bryan. I obviously wanted to see Drew McIntyre versus Roman Reigns. I think their match on Raw was actually better than the WrestleMania match. I'm going to cut Drew McIntyre a little bit of slack because I know he was sick at mania. So that probably affected the actual match itself. The crowd obviously wasn't as hot for it, but um, all in all, I didn't have a huge problem with this segment. The the only thing I would take from this is uh, the tag match. We kind of knew where it was going and um, giving us this booking of these two big, matches met WrestleMania rematches and then throwing Baron Corbin into the fucking mix with Bobby Lashley is part of the fucking problem because people don't like Baron Corbin. And it's not that they hate him because he's a heel. It's just that he's fucking boring and he's overbooked and no one cares. And I, I think like I, like we said in the past, I think Baron Corbin's a good wrestler. But he kind of needs to go away for a bit, come up with something different and bring him back in a different light. Maybe give him a meaningful storyline. But, yeah, right now, I, I think that kind of killed it more than anything for me. And also knowing that it was just going to be AJ Styles somehow screwing over Seth Rollins because they're trying to make AJ a heel. It took all his heat away when he got the SmackDown, by the way, also. So it didn't even, from that standpoint, that's more of the on-the-fly booking I was talking about.
2: Absolutely. I think the intro was needed, but it was long. Uh, the match next. Uh, so guess what happened? You know, AJ accidentally quote unquote hit the phenomenal forearm. And then he hits Seth Rollins, um, disappears. And then Corbin pins Rollins with the end of days. So we have a very predictable situation. Fine. You know, it's progressing the story. I get it. Uh, but then we also give Baron Corbin a win over the universe champion. Um, Whatever, it was. This the next thing is 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 amazing. It's priceless. But uh, Chris, what what did you think of the match? I thought the match was all right. I just I saw that coming a mile away.
3: Yeah, same. And it kind of put a damper on the match. And and I don't know. Bobby Lashley didn't really do anything in the match at all, so it didn't help him. Obviously, I don't even remember it him built. Yeah, it it built for Seth and AJ and that was kind of fucking it. I remember he almost killed himself. I I did remember that. He did that uh, spear that Big E does to the outside and he not only hit his stomach on the hardest part of the ring as they like call it in WWE, but he also fell on his fucking head. So (laughs) (laughs) maybe he doesn't do that move anymore. Um, I can't remember who he speared, but if you watch that again, it was pretty brutal. That's probably the most memorable thing about the match because I went into it knowing that it was going to end exactly the way it ended. I mean, yep, it,
2: um And then we—would it, what would it say. have
3: killed them to just—would it have killed them just to have Seth and AJ win, and then like they go to shake hands or something as mutual respect, and then AJ fuck them over, just to shake things up a little bit, as Vince would say.
2: Yeah, I mean. Sure, that probably would have made sense. Yeah, actually, yeah, I could see that, but still, you know, it's like, this is so fucking predictable. It's ridiculous. Ugh. Anyways, uh, let's talk about Sami Zayn and what happened to him. Sami Zayn came out, doing the whole spiel. It's getting to the point where it's like, now we don't know who he's going against, and he's just coming out and you know, crapping on the audience and stuff like that. Like, uh, he's a comedian that that's just, it's not working. And he said, fuck it. You know, I, I quit my job today, so I'm just doing my thing. It's, it's getting to that point a little bit. Uh, but don't worry. Braun Strowman is here. Braun just stalks Sammy throughout the whole place and, uh, end of the story kills him in a, in a trash compactor. Uh, but don't worry, Sammy showed up the next night. Fine. Just smelling, apparently. Um, but this is just this is this is fun stuff, you know. I used to like Braun Strowman stuff, but the, I, the, the, I I think they've done the trash compactor with Roman and I think one other person. I think that they, they need to retire the the trash gimmick completely. What do you think?
3: I mean, it would have made more sense if he actually got any fucking offense on Sami Zayn first, but it literally. He just picked him up and threw him into the fucking trash can. So you just assumed that Sami Zayn would be able to get. I know it was supposed to be the power slam into the trash can, but the trash can was like too tall to do it. And in theory, Sami would have just landed on trash, so he would have been fucking fine. So I, that was more of my biggest problem with it. And like, it's not unbelievable in a good way. Like when Braun flipped over a fucking ambulance, that was like funny, unbelievable. This was just like, eh. And also, like you build Sami Zayn up, you have him do nothing but promos for three fucking weeks, and then you just have Braun kill him. And then he's gonna go out and have a title match the next night. So didn't make any fucking sense. Uh, also, Sami's match on SmackDown was pretty good, so I'll cut I'll cut Sami a little bit of, of slack. I'm not blaming this on him, but I I don't know. Do you look forward to a feud between Braun and Sami Zayn? Honestly, because I think the answer to that's probably no. no. No, not at all. I don't even. I don't, the thing is, I don't think it's
2: even the start of a feud. I think that they just did that for for that night to be zany and start it up. Uh, but I could be wrong. Maybe we'll see this for about a year. That'd be great. Um, all right, let's see. Lucha. Uh, yeah, never mind. Uh, so there was a match with them. The Lucha <laughs> rules are back apparently. Uh, I think it's good that they used enhancement talent to get talent, you know. It, it's good to highlight some people that are local wrestlers in the area, let them get in the ring, get their ass kicked, but a little bit of TV time. It also gives them a reason for, uh, you know, instead of basically having them lose or having a good tag team lose or a good wrestler that, you know, it, it drops their stock. It's a good thing to do. So uh, Fine, that's my only note of that. Uh, Ricochet beat uh, Bobby Roode, which – this sets up a uh, rubber match now between the two of them if they want to do that because I doubt Ricochet is going to win the uh, Money in the Bank match. Sorry, Ricochet. Uh, but it just kind of put the continuity there. I think I talked about this earlier, though. It would have been nice to see that interview that was on their, their uh, website with Robert Rude petitioning this actually on the program. Either way, fine match. Both guys are great wrestlers. I hope they keep on pushing Robert Rude. That's not the best outcome. Maybe him and Ricochet have a really good program. Probably not. What did you think about either one of those things, Chris?
3: Yeah, I thought the ricochet Robert Roode match was pretty good for what it was. I mean, it was very short. Um, I probably would have cut the Lucha House. If it was me, I would have cut Lucha House Party and just had Braun destroy some jobbers and uh, skip the Sami Zayn angle, and you would have ended up in kind of the same place without making Sami look like a fucking idiot. But uh, Ricochet and Robert Roode it's definitely building up to, you know, a little feud between them.
2: Hope so. Then we have Lacey Evans sent notes that apparently smelled like peach cobbler to Naomi, Alexa, uh, Dana Brooke and Natalia. They all came to her match, watched her beat a jobber. Um, and Becky came out there and whooped her ass. But Becky is, uh, wow. We didn't even talk about Becky as far as top draw, which she definitely is. But I think Ronda was more uh, overall. Uh, her not being there is definitely – they've used the women's division a lot less now that I think about it. Um, but either way, uh, Becky came out there, beat the crap out of Lacey. You know, she she's good on the mic, and she's got a good punch. She's getting there in the ring. Uh, it was whatever. I like the idea that she's so cocky she invites them to come down there. I don't know what's so offensive about Peach Cobbler. I think that would smell nice. But, uh, Chris, what do you think about this?
3: I actually thought Lacey's promo was decent and she is, she had an okay match in the ring, but she didn't have to do a whole lot. I think that that match at the pay-per-view is going to be fucking terrible. Um, I also think that it would be important to get Charlotte Flair back on TV at some point, because I can't, she wasn't, I don't, she's not been there for two weeks, right? No, she wasn't here all this week. We'll say that. And uh, you know, if Lacey Evans is uh her and Lacey Evans are tied up fighting each other, and you're doing a weird wild card thing anywhere. Why, why not? You know, use one of those spots instead of doing Laura Sullivan. Have Charlotte Flair show up and and jump into the middle of that, maybe beat the shit out of both of them. Uh, and now you have like an actual opponent. Since Becky's probably dropping the SmackDown Women's Title to Charlotte, it would have made more sense. But, yeah, from a second uh, standpoint, I thought it was fine. Also, Dana Brooke looked amazing. So, congrats, Dana. You're you're number one in my heart. I hope they stop giving you really bad scripts, three.
2: Me too. Me too.
3: All right, Viking Raiders beat um,
2: the tag team champions, Ryder and Hawkins. Huh. Uh, I don't have much to say about that. I like the Viking Raiders, War Raiders. They're awesome tag team, so I want them to do well. Just give them the damn belts feel bad for Iron Hawkins though a bit Uh, yeah we talked about Reigns and uh, McIntyre's match and it would end up uh, getting interrupted by DQ with Elias and Shane coming up there which pushed the total I think from what was allowed which was three then four when um, Lars Sullivan threatened Vince then it got up to six somehow unless you don't count Shane so Elias whatever I can't I can't do math they can't do math it shit happens uh, but then Shane got uh, annihilated by The Miz and then stalked him uh, all the way backstage. I like the little interview of Charlie trying to interview Shane, and he's like, why are you fucking talking to me? Like, I'm obviously trying to hide. I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, but the Reigns-McIntyre match until a DQ, I mean, it was better, I think, than the WrestleMania one. Um, what did you think about it, Chris?
3: I thought it was better than the Wrestlemania match and once again I'm going to write that off because Drew McIntyre had like the fucking flu during Mania right I yeah. think he probably would have done more and had a better match uh, I thought the match itself was pretty good I don't give a shit about Elias and Shane McMahon fighting Roman Reigns especially because <laughs> it's it doesn't fucking matter because Shane McMahon's already in a cage match against the Miz I thought for sure they were going to turn this into a tag team cage match or some shit uh, maybe they still will I guess it's it's not out of the possibility, but it's like uh, – Roman Reigns' Man, gimmick should be fight everyone. Role. Like they should just – they like Roman should just have a shirt that says fight everyone because he gets jumped on every show. Like he's fighting the B-team plus Elias plus Shane on SmackDown, and he's fighting two people here. <laughs> you might as well just make it his gimmick that he's going to fight everybody even if he gets his ass kicked, I guess. Uh, but it, the one thing I had a uh, problem with with the Shane segment just real quick is uh, – Miz blasted him with like four chair shots, and Shane just got up and kicked him in the balls Yeah, and made, made Miz once again like a fucking goof. Like why is Shane even running if, if Miz is a goof? And uh, I feel like that Shane had the correct reaction to any time one of those backstage interviewers are trying to interview you, with, interview you which is <laughs> why the fuck are you that talking That was such a me? great
2: use of it. <laughs> <laughs> Char- why are you here why is there a camera in my face i'm trying to hide you just saw me do that uh, that was pretty funny all right so dude i, I don't really even want it we, we don't have a lot of times i'll just go over this and combine it with the last thing of the show but usos they they made their own icy hot apparently and they put it and i guess the stuff that uh both members of the revival uh used to ladder themselves up and it kicked in perfectly when they are out doing their promo. Needless to say, not only did we not see what could have been a really cool match with the Revival and uh, Gallows and Anderson, Gallows and Anderson didn't do shit, so at least they're, they're not, they're just relegated to background and main event while uh, the Revival's gotta, you know, have their asses against the fucking ground and just fucking stupid shit. Um. Anyways, the last thing Kofi beat Daniel Bryan clean. It was a good match, man. They've had a series of great matches, Uh, good chemistry between the two of them, awesome, fun match, good way to uh, leave Raw. Weird that you had the WWE Championship main event match, Kofi Kingston, Daniel Bryan on Monday Night Raw, whatever.
3: Uh, Chris, what did you think about the ending of Raw? Uh, I really liked the Kofi Kingston-Daniel Bryan match. I don't think it was as good as the one at Mania. They obviously didn't have as much time to work, and you get the weird fucking commercial breaks, which to me kills it. Do picture-in-picture for your main events, um, which I'll bitch about on SmackDown later. Uh, but yeah, I, I enjoyed the match, and it, it was a strong win for Kofi Kingston. He didn't ever look like he was going to get beat by Daniel Bryan, in my opinion, which is was necessary, because I feel like they're going to run with Kofi for a while, and uh, it kind of makes sense because, like I said, I think he is their biggest star maybe outside of – him and Seth Rollins are their top stars right now. Um, as far as the revival thing, like, just don't put him on TV if you're going to do this goofy shit. Like, no one cares. It doesn't help anyone. You're actually killing – you're hurting your tag team division that you only have like four actual tag teams in. Just don't fucking do it like it's stupid and uh, i will give them props they tried to basically do the uh there's a classic christian and edge story i can't remember who did it but someone put icy hot in their actual ring gear and they had to go out and work a match like that um so that is like kind of a shoot on a rib so i get what they were going for but it's just the overselling of the revival and uh I don't know. I just made everyone in the segment like jokes. And the further away you get the fucking Usos from that, the better since they're the best tag team that WWE has. Yep. I agree. Well,
2: then we get to SmackDown. Uh, We got basically a segment where the champion Kofi comes out. Zayn comes out, obviously wanting to uh, try to get a title match with Kofi. Um, or maybe it was Dane who came out and started talking crap about the audience and then Kofi, one or the other. Either way, AJ comes, shake things up, wild card, wild card. Um, And this would set up a match with the three of them for later on. Uh, But, you know, it wasn't too long, set up the thing, it was fine. Then we had a match with Andrade and Ali. Uh, I can't believe that I can't say Andrade Cianamis and Mustafa Ali. Oh, I just did um, that was actually a really good match. They had good chemistry. Scary Spanish Fly from what I remember uh within it. Ended up in a DQ though with uh Randy Orton who's now apparently the Indie Killer or just, you know, the newer wrestler killer. Yeah, I'm talking Indie Killer. Uh with two RKOs, both set up really well. A lot of fun even though obviously we didn't have a finish match. What do you think about the opening uh
3: segment and the opening
2: match, Chris? <laughs>
3: So I like the opening match a lot. They used the picture-in-picture here, which they should have saved for the main event. That's one thing I was going to bitch about. Uh, The main event had like two commercial breaks in it. But uh, yeah, overall, I like the match. It made sense. They're just building money in the bank tension. Um, I don't know. I think it would have probably been a good idea to have had Selena Vega somehow screw Orton out of getting one of those RKOs off. Just to build her up and and like her position with Andrade and and maybe give Andrade like a you know he that the was it the hammerlock DDT maybe he hits that on Orton and uh, you surprise the audience a little bit instead of just both of them getting RKOs and Zelina just kind of standing there. But outside of that, I thought it was a decent match and obviously it's just building the money in the bank. Absolutely.
2: All right. Uh, then we had a match with. Basically, Shane was going to just crown Daniel Bryan and Rowan uh, the new tag champions on SmackDown. Usos came out. They had a problem with that. Usos, yep. It's a wild card. It's a shakeup. And, uh, you know, put some uh, beef towards that concept, decided or convinced Shane to let them have a match. And we had a match with Rowan, um, Daniel Bryan against the Usos. And uh, Daniel Bryan and Rowan won, um, which even though the fucking build up with the stupid segments suck, I would like to see matches with the Usos and the Revival. So I'm kind of happy that they didn't. It would make sense that they brought them to SmackDown because like SmackDown's a wasteland right now. But hey, they built a team with Daniel Bryan and I guess who they consider like the modern Kane because I mean it's a pretty similar pairing to uh, Hell No. So they, you know, Daniel Bryan knows how to work with a big guy in the tag team. It's weird seeing Dan O'Brien go into tag team now, but then again, he had the title for a while. I'm sure he's going to do the same. I think he did actually say he's going to do the same thing with the belts. They did before. So that's funny. Uh, hopefully they can bring something to the tag division and SmackDown. I'm assuming that's why they're doing it. And they have a little interaction afterwards with heavy machinery. So I think stake and weight are going to be going against uh, Dan O'Brien and Rowan. So at least the segments will probably be stupid, but, Funny, maybe. Uh, Chris, what'd
3: you think? That was, you know, uh, I thought the match itself was good. The Usos are fucking phenomenal. Uh, that, yep. I think I actually sent you that during the match. Um, but it makes sense. You give Daniel Bryan a role in the title. Daniel Bryan can go do other shit, too. There's no reason why he can't be a tag champ in something else while they're rebuilding this tag division on SmackDown. Uh, he can work Finn or do something in the mid card while, Finn. you know, all also holding his title. I see
2: title, man. Him and Finn Balor would have awesome fucking uh, time together.
3: Yeah, so, I mean, there's things that you can do with Daniel Bryan that keeps him busy, and right now, it's going to be them versus Heavy Machinery. That's it. That's all they have, so... Uh, if you're... You know, you got to keep Daniel Bryan on the show, and uh, maybe he crosses over so they can have more matches with the Usos. Who knows? We'll see. Or maybe the Usos show back up, and that's the actual feud. <laughs> Who the fuck knows? They haven't really built tag team matches for money in the bank yet.
2: That's a very good point. They need to probably get on that. All right. So Lars uh, destroyed Matt Hardy, who was doing the backstage interview, uh, talking about his brother and his recovery. Um, R-Truth came out there. He beat the crap out of them and uh, put R-Truth through a table on Raw. He uh, took out Noe Jose, his whole entire conga line, and then threatened Vince, which is the reason why Vince uh, made the extension to uh, four people as opposed to three like he originally did. So Lars Sullivan, that crazy guy. Um, yeah, actually, we'll, we'll do that combined with Sonya Deville and Mandy Rose beat uh, Amber Moon and Carmella. And then afterwards, Paige brought out Asuka and Kari Zane. They will be going against... Uh, Sonny Deville and Mandy Rose next week. I'm assuming whoever wins that's probably going to be going against the Iconics, who remember, yes, they're the women's tag uh, champions. What do you think about that tag match, and what do you think about Lars and him eating babies in the streets? I heard he did that. (laughs)
3: Um, You know, whatever the Lars segment was what it was. I, I wouldn't have had him attack Matt Hardy. I think Matt Hardy and the Hardys in general are too over with the fans for that to really be effective. Him killing our truth I don't think anyone really cares about, but I, I, I don't know what you're building up to. A fucking handicap match with those two both getting killed by Lars Sullivan. That sounds like a lot of fun. Um, Yeah, so who I, I didn't. It's whatever. They're building Lars, so that's fine. Uh, Sonya Deville versus Mandy Rose defeating Ember and Carmella. I'll say this. Ember took the fucking pin, and I think that she's one of the best female wrestlers that they have, and they're fucking wasting her. So what I wasn't a huge fan Uh I think that she's better than everyone that's in this fucking match. I think she has a unique look. I wish we'd get rid of the contacts. I don't think she needs them. I know her she's like the war goddess or whatever, which by the way fuck the war goddess name if you can't use the war machine. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> the Viking yep. experience. I'm still pissed about that. But uh yeah, I thought it was a waste of Ember Moon. I get why they did it, but Sonya DeVille and Mandy Rose aren't going to be going for the tag titles. So I'm guessing they're going to lose a tag match, and they're going to split these two up because uh, Sonya, they're building Sonya taking a bunch of shit for Mandy, and they kind of planted that seed. So I'm assuming there's going to be the explosion of the, um, I don't know, the, the not mega power. fire. desire. Know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I'm assuming that's what they're building. I thought Paige was good in the segment. I will give her that for the little bit that they gave her as a manager. Um, it makes sense for Oscar and Carrie to have a manager and she's not a bad choice, especially because they don't really have a lot for her to do.
2: I'm back.
3: Yeah, no, I agree. All
2: right, let's get to this uh, this main event before we say goodbye to all the wonderful people. Um, we had AJ Styles versus Sami Zayn versus Kofi Kingston. I mean, Good stuff, obviously. You have, I just named, AJ Styles, Sami Zayn, Kofi Kingston. A lot of connecting attacks. Uh, a lot of fast uh, offense. At one point, KO attacked Xavier Woods. Uh, this distracted Kofi. And for some reason, at some point, AJ was outside and then was done from the rest of the match. It's like he disappeared. Uh, but uh, I think, yeah, at that point, Sami Zayn got three blue thunder bombs on Kofi. Covey still kicked out and beat him. What a trouble in paradise! Uh, KO was pissed. Pretty good main event. Chris, what did you think?
3: I actually liked the main event a lot. I thought it was I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, it, it was a good match. I could I, I personally would have had Kevin Owens kill everyone in the ring, um, if not everyone specifically, Sami Zayn, since he has heat with Sami Zayn. That's been an ongoing feud for forever. It would have made sense for him to either demolish everyone. Or I would have just set it up as Kofi Kingston versus Sami Um AJ Styles disappeared at the end of this match. Also, very rare, AJ Styles messed up two spots in this match. So go back and see if you can pinpoint him out like fucking where's Waldo. Uh, I just wanted more oh, heat yeah. on Kevin oh, Owens. He's <laughs> hey, he's from Gainesville, Dorgan, man. I love AJ Styles. Uh, but, you know, he's he's considered to have a good match with Broom. I'm just saying not everybody's on 100% of the time. Uh I thought it was a decent match. It would have been more effective if Sami Zayn didn't get fucking buried on Monday Night Raw the night before. And uh, having AJ lose wasn't necessarily great. I probably would have just booked, not had Sami get killed, I booked the same match and had Kevin Owens demolish everyone, including Xavier Woods, uh, through some shitty heel tactics to get heat on Kevin Owens. Outside of that, the match itself I thought was really, really good. There was a a weird boom drop where, like I said, he set up in a weird spot. Uh, AJ set up in a weird spot, and Kofi had to kind of turn around, not hard camera. And there's one other spot that looked a little weird. But there was an awesome SOS. I like the double SOS on both guys. That was pretty cool. It, it didn't look the yeah. but it was neat. I've never seen it before. There's some fun spots, and um, good win for Kofi. Like I said, if you're going to have him be your fucking guy, have him get meaningful wins, and I would consider this a meaningful fucking win. So
2: there you go. Hey, two in a row, man. First Daniel Bryan on Raw, then that on SmackDown. Good week for Kofi Kingston. You know, for all the stuff that we said, I mean, it is true with everything that we were saying. But Rob was a little bit of frantic, I would say, but had some good quality SmackDown. Usually pretty solid, so definitely uh, would say the same thing for this. Either way, I'm about to watch NXT, and I'm not going to complain at all about that. So that's all I'm, all I'm saying. I just know I, I'm. It's not a prediction. It's it's reality, whatever the fuck Paul Heyman says. Either way, you guys have a great evening and the next couple of days until you talk to me again. Uh, appreciate you tuning in to another episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance, part of Geek Vibes Nation. Guys, go to our website at gvnation.com. That's GV Nation as in Geek Vibes, gvnation.com. That has all of our news articles for various stuff between wrestling, video games, comics, movies. Everything. If you're a geek of it, we probably cover it, uh, as well as links to our, to our Twitter, to our Facebook, to our Instagram. Join the conversation. Message me on Facebook at Dane Alves. That's uh, D-A-N-E-A-L-V-E-S, um, and we'll have some conversation. We'll talk about this. And also has links to our iTunes account, obviously our blog talk account and Stitcher and a couple other platforms. I'm pretty sure Spotify is one of them. Maybe it's not. You can listen to it, though. I promise you that. Either way, another great episode. Chris, thank you so much for joining me like you always do, and say goodbye to the uh, beautiful people.
3: Thanks, everyone, for listening. Hope you guys had fun. We tried to do something a, a little different than the norm, given throwing out those three ideas. If you have your own ideas, you can hit me up on Twitter at, at Chris R on Facebook at Patton, either or if you have ideas for the show or if you just want to talk wrestling or, hell, if you want to talk hockey, hit me up. Uh, if you look at my Twitter, there's a bunch of cute kitty retweets. You can look at those. it be a good time. Dane, thanks for having me, man. Awesome as always. Really enjoyed it. And uh, everybody else, have a great week, man. Kick ass.
2: Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, Definitely wanted to let you guys in on something. Um, I'm going to be messing with uh, this show a little bit and more so another project, but there'll be more words about that coming soon, trying to change up things and make a, a, a fun way of enjoying all these podcasts. Um, but like I said, I'm just kind of giving you like a very, uh, an extremely fucking vague, like a like an M. Night Shyamalan trailer, you know, that type of vague level of information, but hey, at least I gave you guys some information. So get ready for some stuff. Me and Chris will always be bantering about wrestling. And have a lovely evening. So let me just get the... Uh... And that's the bottom line. Just do go Peace out, everyone, and let the Geek 5 be with you. Hey, Monkeys, it's me, DDP, Diamond Dallas Page, the king of Bada Bing, the master of the diamond cutter, the three-time world champion professional wrestler, WWE Hall of Famer, and CEO and founder of DDP Yoga. And you, Monkeys, well, you're listening to Geek Vibes Nation, and that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. Bang! Bang! <laughs>